You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halbus on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Mr. Ray Harkins from the 100 Words or Less podcast from the band Taken, and he is our first repeat guest. I believe he was episode 15, uh, and now we're almost 80-some episodes in, and we are bringing him back for good reason. Ray is the singer for the band Taken, and Taken has released a new EP called In Regard To, and it is amazing. Uh, it's like they never left. It's really cool. Uh, we talked a lot about how the band wanted to be taken as they were, but in 2018, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, and the story behind the EP and the motivation behind the lyrics, uh, tie deeply into Ray's wife, um, and her cancer diagnosis and her journey from that diagnosis to remission. And I'm so, I'm so excited to bring this to you this episode, but it is uh, a lot of heavy stuff and, and cancer touches everybody. And in a different way, um, and just the way they handled things is one of the most unique and, I mean, just uplifting uh, things I've heard when it comes to cancer and dealing with that in that situation. 
Uh, and I wouldn't expect any less from Ray. He's a fascinating dude. I know you guys listen to his podcast. And he does delve into some personal stuff on there and, and really opens himself up. And I appreciate that. And uh, I, I respect that. And that's why I started listening to his podcast in the first place, because I knew of Ray, uh, but did not know him. And then I felt like I got to know him through the show until we met through podcasting ourselves on the same network with Jabberjaw. Anyways, so I want to get into this conversation with Ray. It's uh, something that was very special to me that he reached out and wanted to talk about it on my show. And I appreciate that with him. The music is awesome. The lyrics are amazing. And once you guys hear this conversation and go listen to this EP, you're going to feel the same way I did. Um, and just I'm just so glad things are working out for him and his beautiful family. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited to uh, put this episode out. So uh, real quick, let's get some business out of the way and then we'll jump into it. We are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on all the socials. Anywhere podcasts are available you can find us. Definitely rate and subscribe to the show. Uh, and those ratings really help, guys. If you guys could go and if you guys enjoy the show, throw a five-star rating at it, throw a review up there. That stuff helps us on chart position. It helps us on the algorithms. It helps us. It's all the behind-the-scenes shit that I don't need to bore you with, but it does help the show, and we really appreciate it. Um, I want to talk about rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com is your one-stop shop for band merchandise, licensed band merchandise, over 500,000 items in the store. I mean, you could, I found Anatomy of a Ghost stuff on there that's still on there from our old Fearless Records days that I didn't even think existed anymore. You can find, I mean, pretty much everything. And uh, they're just good dudes doing a good thing with a good product and great customer service. And we're just so happy to have them on board with the network and with the show. So Frankie at rockabilia.com. Thank you very much, and definitely go check them out now, rockabilia.com. Now, without further ado, I want to get into this conversation with Ray Harkins from Taken. Harkins, welcome back to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. How you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for having us, having us, having me. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. <laughs> having each other. This, exactly. That's the way it goes when it's host to host. And this, uh, this, yeah, this incestuous podcast world, which is exactly <laughs> the same as playing in bands, where it's like, oh, dude, you know a drummer? It's like, oh, yeah, how about that guy that plays in, like, 17 other bands? Why not? Yeah, exactly, dude. And uh, so uh, 
if people listening have not heard Ray's first episode on the show, go back and listen to it. But uh, Ray uh, does the 100 Words Less podcast, which is one of the three podcasts I listened to in the beginning that got me inspired to do my own. Um, and like I said, the last one reached out to Ray and Ray was immediately wrote back like, dude, go for it. And, you know, it's what you have to do. And, and here we are. And I think this, I'm, when this airs, it's going to be episode close to episode 80, which is a far cry from where you're at right now with, uh, being doing, doing this, what, six years. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, it's coming on. It, it, it's coming on. I think in April it'll be, yeah, six years. Wow. That's insane. But, uh, yes. And Ray is also the singer for Taken, which is another reason we're talking today, because Taken's got some new music coming out. Um, and uh, just glad to have you, man. Absolutely. No, I always love uh, hanging out and ch- chatting with some friends. Right on, man. Well, it's in the 30s here in Portland. I'm sure it's a lot nicer down there in California, but uh, we've, been, we've been hitting this cold <laughs> well, spell. So. Yeah, it's not snow. It's not snowing here, but it, uh, it's, it's been raining recently, and it's, uh, it's a little chilly, but sometimes it's... We're in no threat for snow, so we're fine. Excellent, excellent. Well, well, let's go ahead and jump right in here. I, I mean, uh, the last time we spoke, you were going through some some pretty heavy stuff with your wife and uh, cancer diagnosis, and working your way through that as well as you could, you know. And and uh, like I said when we first got on the line, like I'm glad to be here on the other side of it now, talking about the the uh the journey past it and 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 continuing on and and just a a much better place but i want to jump back uh we we, you know we know your story as far as life goes from our last episode but when all this started to come down how did it all start how did was there was there signs that that uh your wife went in for, you know, a checkup and they found something. Was it something she was experiencing symptoms with? I mean, what, how did that all kind of come to be? Yeah, it transpired where basically it was the summer of 2016. She, uh, she was just having really, um, uh, you know, part there, when you're, when you're talking about this sort of stuff, you, uh, you immediately get clinical and or gross. So, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the way that it is. But so she was having some, (laughs) she was having some pretty heavy like menstrual cycles where it was like, you know, she was going through like almost a box of tampons a day. And I'm like, this is not normal. And like, you know, whatever. One month it was like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's just something weird that happened. And so then once it went down to, you know, basically the second month and I was like, this doesn't, you know, you're just losing a lot of blood. Like this doesn't make sense. So we went, went in to visit her, um, you know, OBGYN and basically she, you know, was the cancer was detected, uh, in her uterus. So, and how they found that out was, like I said, went into the doctor, there's this growth that they saw that was inside of her that basically had been there since, uh, she had had our son, which was, you know, about six years ago. And so it was just, it was tiny back then. And there wasn't anything that they were concerned about at that time. And so it had it had grown, and they were and basically your doctor was like, "Well, you guys have about planning on having any more kids?" And I was like, "No." And you know we were already pretty agreed on that. So she, the doctor recommended that they remove her uterus and basically you know just get her tubes tied. So the hysterectomy that's the appropriate yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so they did that, and then basically everything that they removed from your body. 
they biopsy, you know, no matter what it is. So this, this growth, they biopsied it. And, uh, yeah, then they come to detect cancer in there. And it really wasn't even something that was on uh, anybody's radar just because it's something, it's a really rare form of cancer. It's called myosarcoma, which is basically a cancer of a muscle. Um, and so, and it typically doesn't happen to people like she's, you know, 36, 37 years old. It doesn't happen to people that young. So it it wasn't even something that we were like, teed up for where it was like, oh, basically they're just like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a biopsy on this stuff and, you know, let's you know if there's anything. So it's like, oh, okay, like, that's understandable. So she went through a procedure and then that's when it obviously came back that it was like, oh, yes, this this thing is something to worry about. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's brutal when you look at it because this is something that you're not supposed to experience at this particular age, at this juncture in your life with a relatively healthy person. Like, you know, she's been vegetarian forever and she doesn't drink or smoke and like all the things that people could point to where it's like, oh yeah, like you're treating your body like a garbage can. So of course, of course yeah. you're going to have this thing. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what got thrown upon us and her specifically. So, um, yeah. And then we just basically kind of, you know, reacted from there, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, no one ever expects a bad diagnosis when you go into a doctor, you know, I mean, of course you might have some suspicions here and there, but, uh, there was no real signs leading up to it, that this was something to be concerned about. Uh, you know, that, that, that this was something that we had to even consider grappling with, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, and so it's something that kind of, it was more of a blindside kind of thing to get hit with that kind of diagnosis. I mean, you knew something was off, but it could have been, it could have been hormones, could have been anything, you know, that's mild or, or here's a pill, it's gone kind of thing. And, and okay. So it was just like, here comes the truck, bam. What was, what happened at that point when you got that diagnosis? I mean, I'm sure it was shock and, and, uh, you know, confusion, but, but how did you guys initially react to it? Did did it seem real? Did it seem, was it like immediately jump on it and go into go mode and fix things? Like what, what happened with you guys there? Yeah, it was really, um, I mean, as in any sort of like life altering moment, you know, most of it just feels surreal. Like there are certain moments that I remember of like, you know, once I, uh, because of the call came in on like a Friday night, we were basically like hanging out with a friend and like just watching a movie and like, you know, totally just a very relaxing Friday. And so then when um, she went upstairs to take the call, first of all, we thought it was kind of weird that they were calling on like a Friday at like well, five or five thirty. So like, clearly this is like, Oh, oh, that's kind of a weird call. So I just, I remember going up after she had taken the call upstairs for about maybe 10 minutes or so. And I was like, huh, she's on the phone for a long time. So I'm going to go up there. And you know, she, like she was just visibly shook and like, she wasn't crying at that point, but it was definitely, uh, I could just tell that I needed to get on the phone. And so I basically was like, hey, Kate, let me take this from you, Kate being my wife. I was like, let me take the phone from you and, you know, let me talk to the doctor. And then, you know, once I took the phone away from her, she just completely, you know, uh, completely broke down. And then at that point, like her mom came up because she was actually over there as well. So there was uh, a lot of people that, you know, started to rally around her as I spoke to the doctor and kind of went through um, 
you know, just the first questions that came to my mind of just like, you know, Hey, like, is she going to die? Like, how is like, how, what, what are the options here in regards to this? Like you were saying, like what the next steps were. Um, and so then we started to, uh, I basically kind of walked through, you know, some options, got another appointment with the doctor and, you know, just went through the sort of basic stuff in that perspective. And then, um, and then I went in and, you know, started spending time with my wife and she was, you know, she had calmed down at that point and was a little bit, um, you know, was able to communicate. And so I, I just remember, uh, saying to her where it was like it was just only her her and I and uh we spoke about the fact that it was like listen this is your journey this is something that you are going to deal with and like yes of course this includes our family this includes me this includes our son but this is your journey you know and you have to do what you want to do with this if you don't want to have chemotherapy if you do like whatever it is you have to be you know as cliched as it sounds like the author of your own story and i think because i mean i'm sure you've experienced this in in similar fashions where it's like i liken it to you know people and women being pregnant everybody has a million ideas on like oh this is how you can take care of yourself during pregnancy and here's this and like you know child rearing same thing yes. everybody will in- yeah everybody will inject their own opinion to that particular thing and you know, like, I mean, some people that's helpful and other people it's just like, oh, I don't like, I don't really want to talk to you about this. Like, this is my own thing. And so I don't know why that came to me. And I really can't point to anything that it really felt like, honestly, like a, you know, sort of divine thing that just like popped into my head because I, you know, not saying that like I gave her um, permission to do that, but I just wanted to let her know that it was like, I, I don't care what you decide. I'm here I, I'm a vessel, I'm a tool, whatever it is that you need from me, like I'm here. Even though this is, you know, technically happening to me, this is, uh, you know, I'm healthy. I am going to survive. I am going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, your son is going to be okay. Like it was, you know, just really kind of going into these like, listen, you may die and that is awful. And I don't want that, but we are going to be okay. Our goal right now is to basically make you feel like you have all the space you need to make the decisions that you want and knowing that if you do die that we will continue to carry on like your son will be okay he will be taken care of and you have nothing to worry about from that perspective of course we want you here (laughs) of course this is something that yeah but it was a just those those like discussions were um yeah something that happened right away and i was just uh I don't know. I, I really like. Uh, I really liked having those discussions because I felt like it just kind of took the air out of the room. It just kind of put everything not at ease because, of course, we weren't. But it was just the uh, the notion of like, hey, like this is a journey and this is what we're on right now, and no one wanted this, but this is what we got. So, um, so yeah. And then we just started taking the next steps and you know doing recommendations for the doctor, and you know she went through a round of chemotherapy and just you know basically kind of. The treatment that we, uh, you know, that we and she wanted to ultimately do. So, um, yeah, it was all, it was all, I mean, obviously it was insane, but like I said, there were, there were some really, really um, incredible moments that kind of came from that, you know, that diagnosis. Yeah. And you, I mean, that's an incredibly mature response to something that's, you know, 
life altering like that. Like a lot of people would in that case would start thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, being the husband, not, not her, but immediately like, what am yeah. I going to do without it? What am I, instead of just staying calm and, and not staying calm, but thinking rationally and, and giving her that freedom to experience what's happening and, and the fact calling it a journey for one, but the the maturity of saying you know uh, we're going to be okay, you need to do what you need to do to get through this, and we'll be here for. It. I mean that's uh, I've not heard that. Uh, I've, I mean cancer touches everyone, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in some way, which is just astounding anyway. But it's just when you when you face mortality that way. I mean, I just just how people react to that is just fascinating sometimes like you're saying it's it's just very mature and and uh giving her that freedom you know and the fact that she's healthy and young and and you know and and uh taking that worry off her with your son and and everything else just probably helped keep her mind clear enough to be able to make the rational decisions and the right decisions without any other influence there as far as what she really wanted to do there and so you said she went through chemotherapy she decided to do that um I mean, yeah. so yeah, she, she, she progressed with that and then she basically did, um, she obviously stopped working immediately and then, you know, started taking steps of, uh, she, you know, went in for chemotherapy by this point. Um, and th- this ties back to music and this is something that I, I, I absolutely, um, I, I just, I, I can't be more grateful for all of this weird stuff that we got into as young children where, so it was shortly after the diagnosis. Um, I, you know, many people were reaching out to me. My wife is, you know, really private. She doesn't have any social media, partially just because she's a school teacher. So she doesn't want her students bothering her on Facebook messenger or something on the homework <laughs> assignments or whatever. <laughs> so she, uh, you know, and most people know me and few people know her from the sort of relationship dynamic perspective. So I had a lot of people reaching out to me from friends of hers and what have you. And so, I had a first, uh, Tom Sheehan, the vocalist from, uh, the band Indecision and Most Precious Blood, you know, uh-huh. a, a, an old friend, old friend of mine, he hits me up and is like, Hey dude, do you know that, uh, you know, Rachel was out by you and Rachel Rosen, she's the guitarist for Indecision. She also played Most Precious Blood, Wage of Sin, a bunch of other cool hardcore bands. Uh, I had forgotten that she'd moved out here about three or so years ago. Um, and was working at the same hospital that we had, um, you know, the, that, that our doctor worked out of. And so I was like, oh, that's right, because I ran into her at a couple of shows out here. So, you know, t- my friend Tom was like, you should, you should like, just check in with her. And I was like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, what, like, hey, my wife has cancer. You work at the same hospital. Hey, like, I, I, I just had no idea how to, like, phrase this. So I kind of sat with that info for a moment, and then I was like, well, yeah, I'll just hit her up. And I kind of, you know, <clears throat> laid out the info on a, on a text and was basically just like, you know, hey, like, I, you know, I'm not expecting you to have any information on anything or what have you, but, like, here's the scenario. So here you go. And, um, you know, she uh, is unbelievable, but, but she was the – she worked in, in the pathology lab. She was the one who – did the biopsy on my wife's tumor to detect the cancer. Oh my God. Which I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, I can't even, it's insane. So then she, she's like, you know, she's asking me some follow-up questions like, you know, what's your wife's name? And like, so she's like, Oh my God, I remember this because 
since it was such kind of a rare case, they had to send it away to another hospital for a, um, you know, second opinion. And anyways, she, so Rachel starts walking me through and she wasn't sharing anything sort of out of school or, you know, breaking any, you know, professional codes or anything like that. But basically she just offered more information of like, Hey, there was cancer in there in, in this, you know, growth and tumor. Um, but it was what we call a good tumor where it was surrounded by a lot of healthy tissue as opposed to, you know, just like a completely, you know, cancer ridden growth. Yeah. And so it, it was just one of those things where I was like, I, you know, after I, I hung up the phone, I was like, I told my wife and I told my mom because at that time we were living with my parents because the house that we had purchased, we were moving, you know, we were doing a bunch of remodeling for and blah, blah, blah. But so I tell them this info and they both were just like, I can't even believe that because you played in band, like, you know, that we were involved in this weird <laughs> music scene, that this information can be shared. It's just like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's just, you know, the beauty of why it is like people like you and I are, have spent our lives in and around it. It's like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, I just I, I love to tell that story just because it's so uh, it, it, it still just blows my mind to this day where I'm like, out of all the. <laughs> all the hospitals in all of the world then this would happen <laughs> that's fascinating and you know to have that relationship on both sides i mean both very meaningful things and i just to sideline it really quick i wanted to i know you uh how much you love music and and so many different kinds i listen to of course the year-end episodes and and uh like the top tens and and that you guys do but when you had so this came down everything hits bam wife has cancer this is this is happening that first moment you had alone to go for a run or do something what is the first record you put on and listen to I, all the way that, through that's a that's a very good question Dewey um and I, I mean I know a lot of people say that stupid that that typical response like oh that's a very good question because they're stalling for time but like no that's a that's a very thoughtful question um the uh the there was a few records in particular um uh, pianos become the teeth is one of like my favorite bands as far as like a band that currently exists and i just love what they do um the re they uh they have a song called or they have a, a record called the lock long after and uh, a lot of that record is about the singer kyle's father dying and the last song on that record in particular it was really weird because like I, I identify with that. My father passed away, I don't know, maybe about, yeah, about seven years or so ago. Um, and so I really identified with that song on that level. And then once I had this happen to me, I like listened to that song and it also obviously related to the fact of what I was going through currently. So that record and, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that record was, I listened to. And then I also, there's this band called uh, Departures from the UK. Uh -huh. um, they, yeah, they they put out a record um, that I'm totally blanking on right now um, because, of course, that's what <laughs> that, that, that's what you do when you're put on the spot. Um, it's, uh, but yeah, so they they put out a record and uh, I'm I'm hunting for it on my vinyl wall as we speak. Oh yeah, death touches us from the moment it, we begin to love. But uh, that record, I also it was just because I didn't. I didn't want something that was like um, just sort of like atmospheric, you know, really like, I don't know, music that I could get like, like lost in thought to. Mm -hmm. I wanted something that was like sort of more uh, 
visceral and emotive and melodic, um, the stuff that I just like to listen to from a sort of like comfort standpoint. So yeah, Piano's Become a Season Departures were huge fans for me that I just, I don't know, I repeatedly listened to during that initial phase of kind of processing that news and using that as, you know, my points of just being like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and cry throughout most of this record. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> Man, and that's something, I mean, that's a, for someone that loves music as much as you do and, and take so much from it i mean i've seen the instagram vinyl wall picture of your of your your new place your new house is is gorgeous by the way and uh i mean fascinating fascinating place and but to there's a responsibility it sounds so nerdy to say this but there's a responsibility that you then put on those albums because every time you listen to those again you're going to be taken back to that point i mean very easily i think to how you were feeling that i i records imprint themselves on me a lot uh I'm, I'm sure it does to you too but i could tell you like where i was when i first heard it or it'll bring back certain emotions like you watch an old tv show you used to watch as a kid like it brings you back to like a simpler time it's almost kind of like you put this this uh these feelings maybe onto those records like imprinted onto those records which they'll then give back to you later you know does that make sense oh no absolutely you can um and that's the the that's the beauty, obviously, of music, where you can imbue meaning however it is that you need it. And music is essentially a tool. Like, of course, it's an artistic expression, and of course, you know, enjoyment is derived out of it. But, you know, if you are, uh, you know, obsessed with music in the way that, you know, people like you and I and, uh, you know, many of our peers are, it's, like, simply not just that, you know? Like, it boggles my mind when you meet people who it's just like music is there. I'm just like, you know, like what, you know, what's our music into? It's like, Oh, I don't really listen to it. And it's like, like not even at all. Like I, I understand if you're just like, not, you know, I don't expect everybody to be like nerdy obsessive, like we are, but like not even anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't, it doesn't even compute. And I know that's like unfair because I'm sure people can look at me and be like, what do you mean you don't like football? It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like football, dude. I'm sorry. Like, it's in that it, that same correlation. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, when you're obsessed with music, it becomes a tool because then you can use it however you see fit. From like, I you know listen to it because I listen to this particular music because I'm in this particular mood or whatever. And I know that's not an original train of thought. That's how most people use music. But um, yeah, when you can, like you said, have these really tangible. Um, emotions that you can connect to it and then be like, oh, yes, I, I can remember the, you know, the, the sweaty room that I bought this record in, or I can remember, you know, this particular instance of me listening to this as I'm, you know, shooting baskets or skateboarding or whatever, where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember these things. But yeah, it's uh, beautiful. Yeah, I think I, I think I shy away from the vinyl wall and the, the physical copies of things just because I would feel like I was looking at my own brain if I was to look at a if I was to look at a wall like that, and uh, you yeah, know, have that many memories and and those things placed on on that thing uh, on that record, you know, it'd be terrifying to me. But I, I that's just me. <laughs> but uh, I mean, <laughs> understood, understood, and appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so jumping back in, I wanted to the the one thing that was really on my mind, and I never, uh, you know, I didn't want to overload you with things and and. Uh, you know, during it happening, but I had, you know, how did you present it to your son? 
or did yeah. you present no, it to your son? I mean, how? I mean, he's he's six, seven. Yeah, he'll be he'll be seven in a couple months. Okay. But yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, we. I mean, it was a very. Um, my wife and I discussed it, and it was. He's a pretty. I mean, every parent is probably going to say this about you know their kid, where it's like, oh, he's a, he's a mature five, or he's a mature ten, or she's a mature twelve, whatever. Like you know, that's just people's own opinions. But um, we felt we felt like our son would be able to um, not fully understand the gravity of it, but understand the fact that it's like, for one, we were going to tell him um, because actually we have uh, known other people like you were talking about that have been, you know, uh, experienced cancer, whether it's they themselves or other families that have endured this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes they, like if a kid is young enough, they just don't tell them, they just, you know, do what they can to shield them from it. And, uh, we just, my wife and I just didn't feel comfortable with that um, because we were just like, he, you know, he's going to know, he's going to ask questions in some respects, and I want him to know as much as possible and ask as many questions as he, uh, you know, he, he is interested in. And so we basically, you know, sat him down, told him, um, you know, what, like, mommy's going to be very sick for a while as she goes through this chemotherapy and she has something called cancer. Um, you know, she... I mean, we didn't, I don't think we explicitly said the words like, Hey, like mommy may die. Like we didn't okay. feel like that was, that was, uh, an appropriate thing to lay on him. But, um, I think as she was going through it, as far as like the chemotherapy and, you know, further, you know, uh, tests and stuff like that, the notion of what that was, uh, became kind of clear. So, it, you know, I, I think he understands that concept like, Oh yes, like mommy, could have died because of that. Yeah. Um, cause we did, we did this, um, we did this thing, uh, up in Northern California. It's, uh, like a, it was a foundation, uh, it's called the me one foundation. And basically it's like cancer camp for adults. Um, and it was, uh, it was amazing because basically we, uh, we went up to this, like, you know, sort of wilderness camp for a weekend and we all hung out as a family and we had like, you know, a, a family chaperone and they like set up events for us. And basically it was just kind of like a little vacation. But, um, at the very first day, each family got up there and talked about their journey with cancer. And, um, you know, just hearing everybody's story was just, you know, was crushing because there are some people that are, you know, like four time survivors. And then all of a sudden it, you know, rears its ugly head again. And there's other people who are terminal and there's other people who have, you know, like just so many different circumstances. And so, but it was really valuable that we experienced that as a family. And then our son ultimately can obviously see all that, that, you know, like real world, real life tragedy around it. But yeah, so we, we tried to pull as few punches as possible. And if he's, if he's curious about something, then so be it. And it's plus two, since she's going to go through chemotherapy, she's going to lose her hair. So there was no way that that was going to be hidden. And so, um, you know, we even, she, you know, she, uh, originally wanted to, uh, buy a wig. And so she did. And she, cause she was really concerned about how our son would react to that. And then, um, you know, it was like uh, one day we went out to breakfast and he was like playing with the wig and like, didn't even really recognize it. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. That's insane. <laughs> but then, uh, he walked in on her once when she was kind of like either putting it away or putting it on. And then he was just like, what, like, what's that mommy? And so, you know, she kind of, she basically was like, okay, well, you know, the jig is up. Let me go ahead and talk, talk, talk this through with him. And, um, you know, he, 
completely unprompted. And I know this is going to sound like a total, you know, cheese ball hallmark moment, but he basically was just like, you know, you don't need to wear that wig, mommy. Like you look pretty with, you know, you look pretty without that. And it, it was just one of the, I, I was in the next room and I heard him say that. I was just like, just a puddle of emotion. I was just like, I can't even believe that this happened. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that, that, that's how we kind of handled it. And we, you know, we discussed it beforehand and just knew that he, um, whether or not he was able to handle it and who knows if it's, you know, going to leave some, you know, horrible scar and we'll, we'll find out in 10 years or so, but there was no way, but there was no way that we could, um, you know, kind of handle, especially just the way we kind of always parented him. It's just like, yeah, I just want to be as honest as possible with him. So, Oh man, that's beautiful. That, uh, I mean, being a father myself, like I understand those moments yeah. uh, that you're talking about, those hallmark moments. And it's so funny that we call them that just because it's something that's actually real, seems cheesy. But, yep. you know, eh, my God. And and the the other thing I worry about as a parent is the first time the world gets to my ch- child, you know, for the first time they realize, you know, someone hits them in the face or someone you know, the world isn't butterflies and rainbows and that's a pretty big moment right there to, to share, you know, with, with your son. And, and I mean, I think it's, I think it's great that you guys were honest with him and, and, uh, you know, but, but, uh, that comes along with that decision-making. I mean, that mature decision-making and, and, uh, I think he'll be better for it. I mean, and, and he got to take the journey with you, honestly, instead of being, you know, why didn't you tell me that? Or, you know, why you didn't think I could handle, I mean, you, you, you gave him something and, and he ran with it. And that's, I mean, that's amazing. What's going on guys. This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from equal vision records. As you guys know, equal vision records is my family. And so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got hot water music, with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June, and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. EqualVision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on EqualVision Records, you're always going to find something you like at EqualVision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, 
Uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I wanna give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown up things like hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. 
Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, what, that's, that's, that's the way we felt about it too. So we had to, you know, we to be true to uh, who we were people and you know, all these other things that we considered. It was just like, yeah, that was the right decision for us. Yeah. Well, and so did things get worse before they got better or what was the chemo effective right away? I mean, how did, how did taking it from that moment, telling your son, your son recognizing what's going on, chemo started to, then getting past it, getting, getting towards the end of it, as far as, uh, getting it eradicated. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, so basically the, how we move forward because of the cancer that she has is so rare. Um, it's like, they're still doing clinical trials on it, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's not like breast cancer. It's not like breast cancer or ovarian cancer and, you know, other cancers that exist where, you've got 50 plus years of history to be like, okay, radiation treatment works, chemotherapy works, this doesn't work, don't do this, do that. This was very much like, all right, we know for a fact that radiation does not work, so we're not going to do that. Chemotherapy, it may work, but we don't know. Like, they just don't have the data to back that up. So it was kind of, it was very much like, a, you know, because technically at that point, you know, cancer was not in her body. You know, the, 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 her you know uterus was, uterus was removed, the growth was out, but because this is a, um, you know, rare and aggressive form of cancer and it's a cancer of the muscle, you have no idea where that's going to go. Yeah. So that's why she decided to be like, I have to give myself as many chances as possible, and that's why she went through chemotherapy. And so, um, yes, and then basically she did that over, it was, I don't want to say, it was maybe about a three-month period. It's like, you know, she would do two weeks on, one week off, um, and then um, just, yeah, kind of go through that, just basically being like, okay, well, you know, hopefully at the end of this we'll do a scan and there, you know, a CT scan that'll show nothing that is in my system. And, you know, um, and then at the end of that chemotherapy, she also needed to have an additional surgery of, and this, frankly, was the kind of toughest decision she had to make was uh, – getting your ovaries removed because, uh -huh. um, and having an, they call it an uvorectomy, um, because at that point, you know, I mean, whatever she's in her, her you know, mid thirties, uh, you know, that's essentially putting your body into menopause, you know, whatever, 20 years earlier. And so, uh, so yeah, so she decided to do that because the reason that they decided to do that was because this particular type of cancer is estrogen receptive. And so ovaries, they shoot out estrogen. Mm -hmm. And so the last thing you want to do is have this thing, you know, shooting out potential fuel for cancer. So that was, uh, that was a tail end, or not tail end, that was basically she had been, she had finished uh, her chemotherapy and then, you know, she had about like a week or two off and then she went into surgery um, to you know, get her ovaries removed. And then, then that was kind of the last medical procedure. And that was, uh, it was actually Valentine's Day of 2017 that she had that surgery. And so, you know, 
we're we're talking late February of 2018, and so now she's technically been you know clear for a full year. She's gone through multiple tests, um, you know, multiple scans, and they haven't there hasn't been anything that has been concerning. Um, which is like yeah, every and so basically she gets tested every three months for about two years, and then that goes into testing twice a year, and then basically at five years they're like, hey, you don't need to worry about this. You know, your chance of recurrence is just the same as everybody else walking around on this planet. So um, sure. that's kind of the that's kind of the big picture of what we're looking for. But you know, the fact that we're a year clear seems pretty you know pretty. It, it, it gives us a reason to celebrate. You know, we're cautiously optimistic, but you know, at the same time, it's like, dude, you know, that could that could change in you know the next test or whatever. But we just are stoked living whatever living that she actually my wife put it perfectly where she's like every three months that she gets her you know she gets her test and then it comes back clear she feels like she has parole so it's basically like oh yeah we you know <laughs> live live your life like three months at a time and it's like yeah, yeah. That, that, that that's very true it's very true man what an um just an amazing uh, i mean i can't I mean, I can't even fathom the the feelings that come from that. I mean, on on your end, I can't fathom the feelings of uh, you know potentially losing my wife or um, to something like this and and being faced with that kind of adversity. And also, I cannot even begin to fathom her thoughts and her uh, her her mental state through this journey. And and uh, I mean, it's just it's something that's so. It seems so common because everyone is affected by it, but it also is just such a incredibly personal, you know, uh, thing, you know, and, and when yeah. you're faced with that, how you react, you know, um, and then everyone wants, like you said, everyone wants to comment on it. Everyone wants to, you know, give advice on this and that, but it's truly unique to yourself and, and your family and, and. I appreciate, you know, your openness to talking about this too, because I, I hopefully, I mean, hopefully not, but if someone listening is struggling with it too, it may bring some perspective to them as, as well. Um, but I mean, what a, I, and it had a, a good ending. I mean, it, the end's not here yet, but it has a good yeah. outcome, which is fantastic. I mean, that last, I, <laughs> I was going to text you after this, when I, I listened to that last top, top 10, podcast that mount erie record oh, uh, oh yeah. my Brutal. god i got through two so i never heard of it before i put it on yeah i shut it off after two so i couldn't handle it i appreciated yeah. what it was but i couldn't yep. take it it was no, so no, brutal no. and i am it's, so happy yeah. for your family that that things worked <laughs> out the way they did and i mean i yeah, that's as far as I'll go on that one. I literally, and I don't shut records off very often, but this one I couldn't <laughs> physically take it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a brutal journey, but yeah, no, I I appreciate all that, and I your your sentiments are you know it it, it lands on me, and I, I think that's what the thing that frankly you know got me the most choked up and got me the most emotional as I was going through all this was just these. Um, you know, this, these relationships that we have through music, it's like, you know, I have people that I, you know, played a show with whatever, 10 years ago, like reaching out to me. It's like, oh, I'm talking a while, but I heard about this and I'm sorry. And it's like, I know everyone 
everyone has their own communities, whether it's like, you know, through church or whether it's through, you know, the, the, the normal places, school, work, all those sort of things. But mm-hmm. like just the, the amount of outpouring that I got from people, it's like they, people don't even know her. Like they don't, they have no relationship with her, but they are, and they don't need to say anything to me. Like that's the thing where it's like, you know, whatever, leaving a comment, social media or whatever, texting me. It's like people don't need to do that as, as hollow as it may feel in the moment and like how disposable social media is like, yeah, that's true. But then again, people don't need to react to it. They don't need to take that additional step and, you know, message you or leave an, leave an additional comment or share their own story. And that to me, that's what got me choked up because I just had so many people from different walks of life reaching out to me, either asking how she was making sure that like, you know, I was okay. And just like that sort of stuff just really, really got me where I was like, because ultimately it, you feel like, oh yeah, all this stuff that I've been involved in, like it, it feels like it carries an actual weight, you know, it, it means this community means something. Yeah. And I think that, um, to experience that in, uh, in, in a fashion where it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, relatively young, all things considered. So, you know, to experience that earlier on in my life, as opposed to, Oh yes. Like, you know, I experienced this at a person's funeral or, you know, it's like all these, these life markers in which you don't experience, you know, that sort of outpouring of emotion. Um, you know, it's, I feel in so many weird respects, like lucky that this happened from that perspective, because it's just so, um, yeah, it felt so unbelievable and just like how close it grew me to other people and whatever it's like, all that sort of stuff is really, uh, tangible to me and something that I was able to hold on to it. And like I said, it doesn't have to be music. It can be any other community. Like as long as you're involved in something, um, obviously for us it's music, but you know, those, those are things where it's like, yeah, we're not, we're not, we haven't, we haven't wasted our life sure. <laughs> in building up these, <laughs> these relationships, you know? Yeah. Well, perspective is a gift. I mean, it's something that, that uh, you and I, as as touring musicians, that you know had somewhat of an impact. Not a huge thing. We're not Grammy winners or anything, but we had that experience of of touring, you know, the country, the world, uh, bringing our thoughts and emotions to others. And it's kind of like getting that return on your investment, where you get to feel the way that maybe your music made someone else feel. Um, in some way, you know, it kind of comes back to you as in that, that person that, you know, saw your play to show with you 10 years ago, like you said, like you had an impact on them enough that they still, you know, think about, think about you and think about, you know, what you're going through or notice something and, and happen to reach out. It's kind of a cool, uh, refund almost like, okay, now I yeah. need, now I need it. So it's coming to me. And now that you're moving past that, someone else is going to need it and you're going to be there for them. And it's just going to be this volleyball kind of, uh, juggling where, where that it's like that energy is never lost or stored. Like it's, it's always out there. And we forced all that energy out night after night, after night, after night, sleeping, wherever, doing, eating, whatever, you know, sacrificing, whatever to push that energy upon these people, which in turn is just reflecting back now. And I think that's a, an awesome example of that. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, and that's. I, I think that's why it weighed so uh, heavy on me, and it weighed. 
and it meant so much because of that. Or like I said, just having having those moments of like, oh man, dude, I haven't heard of this. I haven't heard from this person in a while. Or oh man, like I get to you know, I'm I'm going to a show on one night and uh, in a, you know, it's been a really rough week, and then just seeing friends from you know different places and just having them. You know, just ask me how I'm doing and giving me hugs or whatever it is that I, I need at that moment. And just all that stuff is like, yeah, that's this this is this is what life is about. This is spectacular. Sure. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I mean, but now moving past that, I mean you're you're doing new music again. And yes. that is the what I want to get to next because uh when you reached out I had it had a uh, like a SoundCloud link to it, which had I believe the cover, uh, with regard to is the name of the EP, right? With that's going to be the yep, the name. Of, okay, so uh, new Taken music was this something that was planned? This comeback for Taken, doing another EP before all this happened, or did this inspire this entire thing? It was. It well. Lyrically, it inspired everything. Okay. But I'll I'll get to, I'll get to that. So basically, what happened is like we, whatever. We broke up in two thousand four. Um, I did another band after that called Makoto, where um, we had the opportunity to go over to Japan. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Japan with Makoto, play you know, and the shows were unbelievable. I was like, we were touring off a demo in Japan, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so we have four songs. Like, why are we touring Japan? But okay, of course. So. But the interactions that I had with people over in Japan, like, you know, Makoto was cool, but like, I want to talk to you about Taken. And it was like, the way that I had people react to Taken over there was just like, this this is crazy. And so, and then the guy that put out our, uh, the Makoto records over there was always like, like, yes, Taken, you know, like, it's a very big band. So I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. Like, very big, very big to me is 50 people showing up at a show in Japan. That's huge. Yeah. So, and then uh, I went over there another time with Makoto, and I just, you know, had such an amazing experience that basically I was just like, you know, because the reason Taken broke up wasn't because we hated each other, like life just got in the way, and, you know, people quit because they had to focus on school and whatever. So um, I basically kind of like, you know, went back to the guys, and I was like, dude, you guys, like, we can go to Japan if you want to. It would be pretty awesome. And the shows I've played over there are unbelievable, and so we all kind of talked about that. We're like, all right, let's, let's do something. So to, I don't say timeline wise, I think it was maybe 2008. We did some, sh- we basically did a chain reaction show, some shows up in Canada. And then we went to Japan. <laughs> and then like, you know, after we did that, it was one of those things where it was like, Oh yeah. Like we like each other. Like this, there's no weirdness or anything from that perspective. It was like, yeah, we just like, like we always did well playing music together. So, this is fun. And I just remember in the rehearsals for uh, leading up to our chain reaction show, then like I walk in and they're playing something and I was like, what is this? And they're like, yeah, we just happened to write a song. And I was like, why are we, why are we, why are you writing songs? Like, it's ridiculous. Like we're, like we're not even, we're not even a band. Like, why are we doing this? They were just like, I don't know, man. We just, they just kind of came out. And so, we did shows here and there from like 2010. We did another show like 2012. Basically, it's like if, if something special came up, then we did. Uh, you know, we did a show, mm-hmm. and so all this time it was kind of percolating. Like, all right, I want to be that band that just exists and every couple of years like plays a hometown show, and that's kind of it. I was like, I want to get new music out there because you know I felt like the the 
the way that we had left it with our last EP, I was like, that was the best material that we did. I know every band feels that about their last (laughs) recorded material, but I'm like, oh, I felt like we just keyed on to something there. So we tried to write over the internet for pretty much all that time. Like, you know, at, at that time, our bass players in Circuit Survive, like our guitarists yeah. moving over across the country. And so like they're, everybody's super busy with their own lives and own music. And so we tried to write over the internet, didn't work. We were sending it, but we had basically had skeletons of like five or six songs together. And then finally, it was one of those things in 2000, I want to say mid-2017, I was like, all right, dudes, or maybe 2016, I can't remember exactly, but I was like, all right, everybody's flying out to Southern California. We are doing, we're locking ourselves in a rehearsal studio on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we are not leaving until we have enough material for a new EP. <laughs> We've got enough skeletons. So basically, we did that, and we came out with five songs. Like, we kind of hammered that out. We just worked those skeletons and, you know, figured out everything. And, um, yeah, we basically just killed ourselves that whole weekend. I mean, it was really fun, but we just were, like, pulling, you know, 14, 15-hour days. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So... You know, had and then over that time, we also, you know, we we always knew that we were going to record with uh, Bo Burchell, who had done all of our previous stuff, and you know, he just basically he was a pivotal person to be able to get this material out in the world. So then we started to track because our drummer was in Los Angeles, so he could lay down the drums first, and you know, basically just started building, you know, a recording session. And by I want to say it was. Uh, it was maybe a couple months before case diagnosis. Um, you know, the music was essentially all recorded and I had a full set of lyrics and I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to be, uh, you know, getting ready to record. And then everything, everything happened with the diagnosis and, um, you know, was trying to figure out, was like, okay, you know, I, I think come, you know, February, I'll be free to start to be able to like record and stuff like that. And I was really wrestling around with like, dude, I have this whole set of lyrics that are just meaningless to me now. Absolutely meaningless. I was like, I'm not going to use those lyrics. I just completely threw them out. And I was like, I need to write about this experience. Like, I need to process this via song. I need to process this via, you know, everything we had recorded. So I went to the guys and I was like, hey, like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. I hope you guys are into the idea. And everyone was like, of course, like this, you know, we'd be honored to be a part of that. So at that point, like I said, threw all the, threw all the lyrics away and then sat down with Bo and started to, you know, really kind of figure out how we were going to approach this and how I was going to address this. Cause, um, you know, it's like, I didn't want it to, every band is like, or not every band, but there are many bands. It's like, Oh, I don't want to call this a concept record. And it's not, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, yes, it's a concept record. Of course, it's an EP about my wife and her getting cancer and my emotions towards that. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, I just kind of leaned into it and I was like, all right, well, this, I'm going to write about my own personal experience and um, I'm going to be as specific as I can um, without, you know, being so specific that I'm like, you know, talking about, times we went to the doctor or something like that but yeah. so so yeah that that was uh it was the it was the first time i had really kind of like holistically approached writing as opposed to just kind of like all right well here's a song here's some lyrics boom done moving on to the next one yeah. so, so this i kind of was like i basically each song is a different emotion that i was feeling behind it whether it was like all right when we first got the call to me processing that, 
to what it feels like to watch, you know, my wife be completely sick and, you know, looking like she's going to die. Um, so kind of walking through the process of, you know, basically any, like anybody can read these lyrics and obviously directly apply them to their own experience to loss. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, mine is obviously just directly related to like, these are the emotions that I feel from the joy to the pain and everything else in between. So even though the EP would have turned out musically as, you know, as confident as it would have been, cause that was already done. Um, I just feel like, you know, so much better now that it's just like, oh yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to go through with some set of lyrics that just was, you know, a pale representation of what it was that I was actually experiencing during that time. So yeah, yeah it, wor- it, it, it worked out in a weird, weird way. Yeah, I, well, it's a beautiful way. I mean, like, like I texted you the other day. Like, I, I listened to, I've listened to it multiple times since you sent it. But that initial listen, knowing what it was about, I got to read the lyrics first. I listened to it on my commute home, where I can kind of concentrate. Um, so I wasn't reading the lyrics as I was listening. I read them at work first, and then listened to the EP. And it was, I mean, it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, it's just a an all-encompassing powerhouse. I mean, it's 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 taken where the things I like from taken before. The big thing with me with 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 hardcore and and things like that is I'm very particular about things. And there's things that drive me nuts, and there's things that don't, that I love. And one of the things that drives me nuts, which which I can't get past, and I don't know why, is when the person i know it's a a expression of what they're feeling and there's a lot of people out there that have those feelings and want to put it out there as the singer but when they're screaming at the top of their lungs and their voice is breaking up and it's like they've never screamed before i i appreciate the rawness but your voice is absolutely insane as far as i mean it is clean it is it it's smooth if if that makes sense it's it's not breaking up it's deliberate and it's brutal and that's what i love when when someone can do that they can pitch a scream they can hit it hard and but it's smooth enough that it basically wraps you up instead of pushing you away and that's something i think you do really well and you always have but on this it was a whole nother ball game of, of it's like a step up from that before and that's what really Thanks. took me. And I'm not kissing your ass, you know, like, but. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate that. Cause that, I mean, dude, like not to interrupt your train of thought, but that was exactly what I wanted to do. It's like, I mean, every, you see this so many times where it's like, you know, a band has a record, they haven't released music in 10 to 15 years. And like you, you know, you have a certain emotion attached to a particular band and then you listen to it and you're kind of like, Oh, like that, that's cool. But like, it doesn't, you know, hit me the same way or whatever. There could be a myriad of different reasons why you don't like it as much. And there were two functions that I wanted this EP to exist in, regardless of like what I went through and lyrically what, but like, I just wanted this to serve two functions. One being the fact that this sounded like taken. I didn't, I personally didn't, even though I've got no hand in writing the actual music beyond just like doing sort of third party editing of like, I don't know, that part's a little too long. Maybe we do like, you know, 10 times instead of eight or whatever. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to sound like us. Like, I didn't want it to be like, all right, like now, 
it's taken exists in 2018, like, what do we sound like? You know, what, what could we, how do we stack up against the other bands? It's like, no way, man. Like, that's not, that's dumb because it's not like we're trying to do this from a career perspective. It's just like, we wanted to release more music. So I didn't want to do that. And, uh, so I wanted it to sound like us. And then I wanted the function of the fact that it was like, it's going to be uh, this logical extension. It's like, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We are not going to, uh, you know, completely be the different band. We are going to try to build off of everything we've already built. And then hopefully uh, not disappoint the people who have listened to us previously. But frankly, most importantly, also be able to have a person, have a 16 year old kid listen to us in 2018 and be kind of like, Oh wow, that's pretty good. Like, is that a new band? I've never heard of them before. You know, because yeah. like I, 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 I've experienced that over the past couple of years. Every time Taken has played, because we've played shows to people who have no clue who we are. Like, you know, we've played with Hello Goodbye, we've played with Say Within, we played with Betray You, and like these are all in the past like couple of years. So the people have no context for who we are. We're just getting up there and look like slightly old dudes playing heavy music. <laughs> so. So the fact that people, after we play, the fact that people react positively and are and like ask me that question at the merch table where they're like, "Oh, dude, like you know, do you have any CDs out or any like you know, do you have any music?" And I'm like, I, you know, in my head, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin with you. Like, yeah, yes, you do. Yes, I was like, te- technically we're a band, but technically we're not a band. Like, I don't know. I, here, this is what we have. Here, but, listen to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know where to begin and, with and, you. <laughs> Totally. And oh. then, yeah, like I said, like I said, have that. I don't want to use the word being relevant because that makes it sound like we're trying to, you know, be a part of, you know, the sort of music industry from that perspective. And we are to a certain extent, the fact that like we're putting music out label and, you know, we're doing press and we're going to do everything, we, uh, you know, most quote unquote normal bands do. But that's simply just to do this piece of work justice as opposed to like, all right, man, like, can't wait to you know make a thousand bucks off this show it's like that's no all we all all we want to do is play in front of people who care about us and not be this uh you know this this washed up version of ourselves and what we used to be so yeah i know that was kind of a a tangent on what you were talking about but those like i said i just i feel really passionate about those two core components is like one you know be taken and two not disappoint people slash be relevant to where people can still pick up value that are, you know, literally 20 years younger than me. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And that makes complete sense. I mean, the, what like, so a good example of what I was talking about is, is like, um, not to, not to, that's a great song, but there's a song called, I think it's called the new fury by verse off aggression. And that band is amazing, but there's, there's parts in that song where everything cuts out and there's screaming and the voice is just like crackling and, and, uh, uh, breaking up to where it's like, you can feel that it's like raw aggression, but the, the, the skill level that you have is, is what I'm talking about where you can, you can maintain and hold, uh, hold a pitch and, and just, I, I just to nerd out. I mean, with screaming for someone who's done it, you know, for a long time, you can really hear when it's done right. And, but it's still got so much more power, you know, when there's that much frosty behind it. And it's crazy to talk to you in just a conversation and then hear what comes out of you on stage and in record. I still can't believe it. And 
Yeah. That's something that you just can't learn. You either have it or you don't. And that's something you're really lucky to have, I think. And and I think that's something that's going to serve you well, you know, in, in everything musically that you do. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm just super stoked on this, this EP. It's going to, when people hear it, it's going to blow their minds. Like it's, it's just, it's going to blow their minds in a way, like you said, it's taken. Like it's, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just a good, good piece of music. I mean, it's that, that's all it is. And that's, and it's the power behind it is also the story. And when you're going to print the lyrics in the, in the EP, right. Where people can, Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, yep. and the, those are some of the most powerful and, and knowing what the story is behind it. I mean, it's just a total package. And, and, uh, that's why I was super stoked when you reached out about it. Cause, uh, I was just waiting to hear it. I was just waiting to see a post that it was up to be able to hear it. And, and, uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. And I'm, I'm just really proud of, uh, you know, proud of what you've done super stoked that that you and i connected through the podcast world because uh, we never really crossed paths musically but and and just the fact that your story has a happy ending you know at this point and is just overwhelmingly great and uh you know i, I really i'm really happy for you you know thanks man no i i i feel good about it and it feels yeah it feels good that people who understand where we're coming from understand it and you know the fact that you obviously positively react to it and everybody that i've shown it to and you know my circle is like oh yeah like this like this this is great i'm like you know echo similar sentiments to what you're saying and so yeah it just feels it feels good to be able to put it out in the world sort of you know unapologetically and be like yeah this 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 is what it is and hopefully you like it and hopefully it impacts you in the same way that. Um, you know, we intended to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it will. And I think it's going to do really well. And, and I mean, also with no expectation and just genuinely putting it out there in the world, I mean, success will, will, will come, you know, I think it's, it's, it's something that I think you'll be happy with the results. And, and, uh, I mean, it's done. It sounds great. It's, I mean, you can't be happier than that, you know? And, and, uh, I think anything that comes from this, will be will be super positive and and like you said you're doing everything doing pr and everything else and and uh doing it all yourselves and that's awesome yeah thank you man i appreciate it but uh well ray i don't want to take up any more of your time man but i i I appreciate you coming on the show and and being so candid with your story and and uh hopefully it touches others you know and and uh if podcaster to podcaster i mean it's interesting interviewing a a host that's been doing it you know five years longer than than uh than i have but you know and and but it's not intimidating at all i love your demeanor and and uh but it's definitely interesting talking to someone who does it as well and uh, everything i guess prepping for it and everything else is like it's a whole nother ball game so (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because you 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 know you, you know what you do you know what other people's habits are and you know the kind of um, you know inflection points of like, all right, well, I got to make sure I'm doing this just to make the conversation keep carrying on. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I totally understand and empathize with where you're coming from. So, yeah, yeah I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet, man. Well, well, and when does the EP come out? It's called uh, with re- with regard to, and it's it's from Taken. And it, when does it come out? Uh, it comes out in, on April 28th. April so, yeah, 28th. I think that's a Friday or. Or it might be the twenty seventh, yeah, the twenty seventh. So okay, um, 
but yeah, it's, it's coming out on just digital and vinyl and, uh, yeah, releasing it in Japan just on CD, which is funny because that's like, you know, it's such a, it's like Japanese people still love CDs. All right. Cool, man. We're yeah. going to do a CD over there. So, but yeah, well, like, you know, shirts are pre-ordered and all that other fun stuff. So we'll be announcing, uh, we'll be announcing some stuff. I think, uh, in mid-March is when the, uh, the, uh, pre-order will be live. So yeah. Okay. But thank you, dude. I appreciate it. You're welcome, man. And, and check out hundred words or less podcast with Ray every week on Jabberjaw Media, and uh, thanks a lot, man. No problem, dude. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ray Harkins from Taken and the 100 Words Podcast, 100 Words or Less Podcast, rather. Um, I'm really excited he wanted to talk to me about this stuff, and and I felt uh, very honored to be able to bring this story to you guys. Uh, Such a personal thing to him and his family. And uh, he was just very candid. And like I said, as you guys heard, I mean, they just handled things in a very interesting way and uh, just a very mature way. And I, I applaud them profusely for that because they are just great people. And I'm so happy to know them and, and uh, that things worked out the way they did. So definitely check out the new Taken EP. It's called In Regard To, and it is amazing. You guys need to check it out. We're playing some music on here as well, as you heard in the intro. Uh, but definitely check out the full EP. And they're going to be playing some shows. They've got a show coming up at Chain Reaction. Um, and that is going to be off the hook. Sold out, I'm sure. And if it's not already, it will be. So if you're down in Southern California, check that show out. Check out the 100 Words or Less podcast with Ray has. He's been doing it for years. And it's a fantastic podcast with a lot of amazing guests. Um, and as always, we'll see you on the radio. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.